0: Hello and welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Monday, November 14th. Today's show is presented by Geico's, which is switch to Geico's. See other the ways that you could say. It's Monday? It is Monday. Oh, okay. Oh, so we are saying it's Monday, but it's Sunday. Well, it's Sunday night, but it's Monday for everybody listening to the podcast. It is me. It is Field. Mm. It is Liz Loza. We are breaking down everything that you need to know from the Week 10 games. First question I want to know is I'm the only one. That called the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Seahawks game the London game, like seven times, or did you guys also call it the <laughs> London game? Uh, I still
1: call them the San Diego Chargers. So okay, even right. if you called them the <laughs> called the London game, I really have nothing to say. Cause I would be super guilty of making I mean I, I, I over I mean I, I trip over my word all the time. Yeah.
0: But I Munich game it
1: was Munich, yeah, right? Yeah, it was a Confirm, Munich. Munich game.
0: Munich game. Liz, did you call did you call it a London game even once this week or did you just were you just hundred percent across the board it was, you know, the Munich game?
2: I just called it the international game oh, to r- erase any Here's, confusion. It's the game across the pond.
1: You ever wonder, Daniel, like, listen, we make wrong decisions every week in our lineups. Yeah. We make a wrong decision every day. You and I work with two Ivy league educated ladies yes, who are brilliant do. and the masters of their field. And so you and I slip up over things like Munich games and London games and San Diego chargers versus Los Angeles chargers. Meanwhile, like Liz and, and Stefania are like getting a <laughs> triple major or something like that right now. Like, What is going on? How are we so – we're just – we're insignificant.
0: We are. We are. But sometimes you just got to embrace that field, and I think one of the ways that I have embraced it so far this year is saying to you, Liz Loza, as a Lions fan that loves my Detroit Lions more than any other team in the NFL – I'm a fan of Justin Fields. Ooh! I just have to say it. I don't know if I'm allowed yeah, to maybe. do that as a fan, but like how unbelievable is Justin Fields? I just want you to talk about how good your quarterback is because for another week, we have watched this kid take another step into fantasy stardom. The dude is unreal.
2: He is unreal. Yeah. And so I feel like this is the perfect early birthday present for you in that the Detroit Lions won today. But also... The underbelly of that is that I played Justin Fields against you in our very own pod league. So Uh, kind of an early birthday present and a treat for me as a Bears fan who didn't get the win. (laughs) I get the personal win. Uh, 167 passing yards. Meh, who cares about that, right? The story about Justin Fields uh, are the 147 rushing yards plus the two rushing touchdowns. Four straight games with 60 rushing yards and a rushing TD. That ties for the QB record. He's gone over 100 rushing yards for two straight games. Uh, and he now has double-digit rushing attempts in four of his last five. So it does not look to be a trend that will stop anytime soon.
1: So real talk here. Rest of the season, if I gave you the opportunity to pick any quarterback, rest of the way, yeah. how many quarterbacks are you picking before you get to Justin Fields? Three? Three? I was going to say somewhere
0: in the, in the three to four two. range.
1: Okay, so I'm, Liz says two. I'm assuming, and Liz, correct me if I'm wrong here, it's Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are the two that you'd pick?
2: No, it's Patrick Jaylen Mahomes Hertz. and Jalen Hurts. Okay,
1: oh, cool. so Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are the two that she would pick. How many would you take before you get to Justin Fields? Probably, I would add Josh Allen into that list, and then it would. So it's be- like three, four, five maximum. I mean, this is the reality of where Justin Fields has established himself now. Is that you talk about that elite tier quarterbacks? And we say coming into the season, I thought there were five. I just didn't have the right five. Justin Fields is now there because this Bears offense does not imagine. I can't imagine it changes dramatically with Justin Fields because That's you know, right. A, their scripted runs are really valuable for their offense. And B, the first rushing touchdown from Justin Fields today was this ridiculous play where he was like Houdini getting out of pressure, Daniel. I know uh, for the rest of the season. I can't imagine that there are any quarterbacks came out, coming off the waiver wire that come anywhere close to Justin Fields. You found yourself a goldmine. Bravo. And I'll say it every time we talk about him. Liz Loza's preseason quarterback sleeper was, in fact, Justin Fields. Good job by you. And he has resuscitated
0: the value of his tight end, Cole, Cole, Cole Komet, as well. He has. Cole, Cole Komet, as I call him. Dude, Cole Komet looked, he was open in a huge way on at least one of those plays Liz. but he found the end zone twice. And if this is the way it's going to work, I mean, even with limited passing volume, with how bad the tight end position is, it feels like Cole Komet has at least worked his way back into the conversation for a starter or a streamer for you.
2: Absolutely. Over the past two weeks, 13 targets, nine catches, 115 yards, and four touchdowns next, game, next team up for the Bears, the Atlanta Falcons, who have allowed the second-most receptions and the third-most receiving yards to opposing tight ends.
0: Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, let's, pretty good. Let's really quickly talk about yeah. the Detroit Lions. I do want to say, does this they look, don't look so really so quick? we got time. time. Yeah, I was going to say, what, do we have a
1: – oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: Does this
1: look, does this look familiar, guys? Ah. Um <laughs> – how do I approach this one? Am I, <laughs> what am I allowed to say right pretty
0: now? pretty sure I'm with the Jamal Williams jersey on, I look just like Jamal Williams getting in the end zone. You do look like
1: Jamal Williams. <laughs> Scoring right a there. tutty, the end, the end right, zone. guys?
0: That's exactly what I looked like. He always scores touchdowns somehow. Thank
1: always, you. doesn't he? He does. He does always score touchdowns. So this was great. So let's talk about this, this Detroit Lions backfield, Daniel, because while it was good that he found the end zone, It was not a great day for fantasy for these two guys. Mm -mm. And I actually think what we've realized is that, like, it's actually becoming trickier to evaluate the Lions' backfield. Like, today might have been trickier than last week, even. Yeah, I think
0: when I look at this, they had – DeAndre Swift almost scored two touchdowns this week. Well, almost. Almost. Horseshoes and hand grenades, though, right? You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. However, they are actively utilizing him down there. They are still trying to find ways to be able to get him involved. He was more utilized this week than he was last week, played a little bit more than he did. Right.
1: I know he played 18 snaps today. 18 snaps for DeAndre Swift. And by the way, off the injury report, mm-hmm. didn't have a game status. Practice in full on Friday, so you have 18 snaps for DeAndre Swift in a game in which you think he's healthy. Maybe at some point this thing evens out. Uh, excuse me, moves back towards DeAndre Swift's favor after evening out first. But for now, it seems like Jamal Williams is actually playing more. He's getting more rushing opportunities. Now he had zero targets, but DeAndre Swift only had one catch. We saw some Justin Jackson as well, both really talented players, but you're kind of counting on either of them falling into the end zone yeah. to really satisfy your needs for them as like a, as a legit RB2. They're kind of both sort of hovering on that flex territory as a result.
0: And what's so frustrating is when they both happen to fall into the end zone, but yeah. they don't do much else. Because if this was one running back, these two things, like these two games, would put together really nicely. But instead, it's sort of like meh yeah. fantasy performances from both of your running backs you had to start
1: Yeah, and i think with swift the reality is that you've got a bunch of injuries right now yeah he's dealing i know that he's off the injury report but like those are the kind of things that are not preventing him from taking reps but i'm sure he's still sore and i'm sure the lions are still saying to themselves hey he's a big part of our future we need to be smart about deandre swift and how we utilize him dan campbell has already admitted that publicly so i think for now they're going to continue to be judicious with how they use both of them and as we know in the nfl running back by committee is a thing, but Amon Ross St. Brown looked awesome today, Dave. Dude, How shout out up are you to the little one?
0: brothers everywhere, huh? Yeah, it was sweet. Fantastic. He was awesome. Finally, it feels like finally being able to get back on track. Huge target share, 44% uh, target share this week, which is one of those things. No TJ Hawkinson, no Josh Reynolds, no DJ Chark. They basically had him and... Khalif Raymond and a handful of practice squad guys that they were throwing the football to. This sounds crazy because he had ten
1: catches on eleven targets, but like this is how it should be. Yes, right. Like because of what you just mm-hmm. said, of all those players that aren't there anymore, you're kind of like, you know, Monra is like Will Smith back in Fresh Prince of Bel Air when all of a sudden he looked up and he was the only person left in the room, and he's like looking for somebody else. Right. Like that's kind of how it is right now amongst the pass catchers for Detroit. And game script once again worked in their favor. They. Weren't very good on defense. Sorry to say, but no, they got the win. They got the hey, win. That's what matters, right? And that's what's important. And they should, I would think, continue to be a team that struggles on defense, has to throw the ball a lot. I would like to. I think like ten catches is going to be obviously a stretch. But this is the reason why Amara at the beginning of the year crept up to like wide receiver six or seven in our weekly ranks. Yep. Should we ask Liz about? I think. Oh, go ahead, Liz. Sorry.
2: Oh, sorry. I- I was going to say, I, I think you're right about the volume, but I don't like his upcoming schedule. And I also don't like the upcoming schedule for Jamal Williams. Giants, Buffalo, Jacksonville, like those are three particularly stiff defenses. The Giants kept Damian Pierce out of the end zone today. So if we're counting on touchdowns for Jamal Williams, maybe adjust your expectations. And as we saw at the top of last season with TJ Hawkinson, one player who gets all the volume is easy to take away by opposing defenses. Now, obviously, the Sun God, a very different player, much more explosive and talented from a pass-catching point of view than TJ Hawkinson, but I still think it's something to be mindful for. We love the volume, volume's always king, but I don't know if we're going to see these top 10 efforts that we were seeing at the top of the season, even if Amon, Amon Ra looks more uh, back to health and, and back to the way he we wanted him to look right now because of the upcoming schedule
0: hey that's a fair thought as we get into this it's going to be tough good Lions aren't going to be a playoff team you know eventually we're going to get to a maybe. spot where hey listen yeah, know. maybe maybe we can speak it into existence maybe why not so you've been you've been around for a little while Daniel
1: you have an upcoming birthday I do notable one
0: mm.
1: so you've seen some football on your day oh I have Justin Jefferson the greatest player in NFL history?
0: I think that the catch that Justin Jefferson made today might, might be the greatest catch that I have ever seen. In case you did not see any of this Bill's Vikings game, <laughs> yeah. just in general, just go on YouTube and just like watch the highlights. You know what my thought is? If you didn't see this catch yet, like, congrats
1: to you on being able to live a life of seclusion, right? Like, (laughs) I go four hours without my phone or the internet, and I start to, like, you know, like, my skin starts to get scaly. I start to want, like, I start to shiver. I'm like, what is going on here? So if you've managed to make it this far without seeing the Justin Jefferson catch, respect. You are doing it right right now. But that was absolutely absurd. And if this holds, and there's still a couple games left from when we were having this conversation, it would be the third week that Justin Jefferson has finished as the highest scoring wide receiver in all of fantasy. There's not a real takeaway here, right? Other than the fact that, like, you got to appreciate greatness. And that was greatness on display. He did it. And his teammate, Dalvin Cook, Liz, also went nuts today as he had a long, long run. The Vikings 8-1. They continue to impress. Yeah.
2: A touchdown in five straight games for Cook now. Justin Jefferson has gone over 13 looks in four of his past six games. I just said volume is king. Justin Jefferson is getting the volume and converting regardless of matchup. And you mentioned that's also helping Dalvin Cook out. Those boxes are lighter and he's being able to do his thing. These Vikings are on fire. Remember, they've only lost one game and it was to the Eagles who uh, will play on Monday night. Tonight, like, in they're,
1: fact. Yeah, they're like Georgia and Al- No, not Alabama. Uh, Georgia, I guess Tennessee has one loss. Like yeah. They're the SEC right now, right? Yep. Like They've
0: only got one loss, yeah.
1: and it's to the other team. This is crazy,
0: Daniel. What did you make of Josh Allen today? I thought that, so I was going to ask you this. I actually thought Josh Allen, Josh Allen looked fine. Josh Allen, I thought, looked like healthy. If I was he a no fantasy idea, manager, you know? right, no, I have no idea. And no it, idea. there was nothing that I saw in this that would make me nervous about it. starting Josh Allen, going forward, he looks like Josh Allen, in spite of a couple of mistakes that he made. Like, all fears that I had totally cast aside. 330 passing yards. Yeah. One passing touchdown. He had three
1: turnovers. That's the problem. Yep. he had 84 rushing yards. Like, again, and I know Stefania will lay on this on Tuesday, and I am not questioning. I'm sure she will tell us, like, she maybe saw things, but me, the average dum-dum, if I saw Josh Allen on Sunday, I'd be like, nah, look, totally fine to me. Bro, he like, ran a ton, and he threw 43 times. Yeah, he ran the ball a lot. He threw the ball. He had downfield throws. He tried to make tackles. Like, yep. that part maybe wasn't the best decision. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Crazy game, by the way. That was a freaking awesome game. It was so good. Football was good on Sunday. But yeah, I have no concerns about Josh Allen. It was a weird game, though, for the Bills, because where I was concerned initially was it felt like the Bills were a bit run heavier, Daniel. Did you see anything out of Devin Singletary that makes you believe that, hey, like, this could be a thing going forward? Or are you more of the mind that, like, he was eventually going to have a randomly good game, but he's mostly just what he has been for most of the season.
0: I was of the mind that I felt like this was a good week to start Devin Singletary in daily fantasy because we weren't totally sure how healthy Josh Allen was. Mm. And so my DFS lineups actually did pretty well because of that. Yeah. However, when I look at Devin Singletary, like I think one of the things I remember about Devin Singletary most is just the way that he finished last year with this unbelievable tear, right? Yeah. He got in the end zone a ton and this year they' they've, got a ton of running backs. They're still passing the ball a bunch. They've got a ton of running backs. They just acquired Naheem Hines. James Cook is still there. Like, I I don't see this as a situation where all of a sudden he's being thrust into a certain situation. It's like, yeah, there are going to be games where one of these running backs is going to have some scoring opportunities because that's what happens when you're on one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL. Uh, Liz, do you see the running backs any differently?
2: I don't see the running backs any differently. I feel like because of the offense he's attached to and the quarterback he's attached to, Devin Singletary is like a flex play every single week, even if the Bills aren't running a lot. He's averaging close to 11 fantasy points per week, and he regularly uh, uh, clears double-digit fantasy points. So to see him hit 15 in this game was not particularly surprising, also considering there was extra time as the game went into overtime.
0: Shouldn't have been extra time.
1: There should not have have been. been. Honestly, I I said this as I was leaving uh, what we call the war room where we watch all the games that the Viking, the NFL was extremely lucky that the Vikings won this game
0: Totally, because
1: there was a play late. If you didn't, if you didn't see every single beat of it, but Gabe Davis late in the game, the refs ruled a catch on the sidelines, a catch under two minutes. So there's no challenging from the Vikings allowed. The NFL, for some reason, doesn't bother to over to replay it. And clearly incomplete. It ends up being like, that was a consequential play. I don't know if I can recall this. Maybe you guys have better memories than I do. The NFL, after the game, actually admitted a mistake. They are always like, when it comes to officiating mistakes, they're always like, well, you know, it's like the most obvious pass interference of all time. And they're like, well, you know, uh, according to um, Rule 274, Article 6.7, Section B, uh, Addendum X, uh, that actually is not a penalty because while the wide receiver broke his leg in two spots, the defensive back didn't technically mm. do that, so it wasn't pass interference. Adenhamex like, was
0: actually from the last series. Adenhamex is now actually a series oh, old. Okay, but here's the thing, though. Let me let me just. Uh, I'm thinking Saints game, Saints game, Saints Rams pass interference. Did the NFL come out and say, "Hey, that was definitely a pass interference"? on no. that? No,
1: they were just like, "Well, you know, letter of the law." Like they just sort of sat on their hands. So, anyways, that it doesn't really matter. But anyways, I'm happy that uh, the NFL didn't have to deal with that. I mean, Vikings Dude. fans, you deserve. And by the way, Vikings fans hand up right here. I have been, listen, I haven't been just, I have not been crap, you know, crapping on your team, but like I've been, I've said like Vikings are an interesting team. They were seven and one coming in today with a very non seven and one ish points Mm -hmm. differential. You guys deserve all the flowers
0: today. Eight and one speaks for itself. Let's pay some bills and then talk about a few more things. Let's
1: do it, Daniel. I have it on my phone, so give me one second to uh, pull it up. But oh, that's I fair. know
0: Geico asks, I know
1: the first line of it. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I love it. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance on your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's simply, it's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agents today.
0: Did you know there are currently over 2.4 million podcasts in the world, including the one that you're listening to That's right now? Yeah. And it takes a team of people to help bring these podcasts together. Needless to say, the hiring the right people for these roles is important. And whether you're hiring for a podcast or for a, for a growing business, there's only one place that makes it easy, ZipRecruiter. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com FFF. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. So if you're a fan of this podcast and you want to try ZipRecruiter for free today, you need to remember our special URL. That is ZipRecruiter.com FFF. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com fff ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. All right. In the international game. <laughs> Nailed it. See what I did there. Yeah. This is important. At, yeah. You look at these two running backs. We got Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. And I want to start with the fact Rashad White, 22 carries, yep. got the start. They started 105 yards, but most importantly, mm-hmm. got the start, which was something that I was, I was shocked by. Yeah, I was surprised too. Now,
1: Shefty has been banging the drum. Kyron Williams, Rashad White are going to have a growing role at some point this season. And Rashad White's time may have come. And at first, it was by design, Daniel, because of the fact that you mentioned he started. Leonard Fournette came in on the second series. It actually seemed like Leonard Fournette was motivated because he ran really well in the first half. Ended up scoring a touchdown, 14 carries, 57 yards, and a tutty for Lenny. But Lenny got hurt late in this game. Mm -hmm. It's a hip injury. We don't know anything else beyond that. And the Bucs go into a bye but Rashad White becomes the rare week 11 by week excuse me week 11 waiver wire pickup that could matter here. Yeah. And I test, what do the eye test tell you in terms of how he performed today? Like the numbers tell one, did you think he looked about th- what 22 carries for 105 yards?
0: Hey, I thought Tells he looked f- I look, thought he looked fine. I would just like to see more usage within the passing game. I mean that's one of those things where You know, if he's not able, uh, unless he's getting in the end zone, if there's zero passing game usage, the upside is limited here within this offense because there's so many other superstar mouths to feed Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and those guys, right? Did you you say Chris Godwin? I did say Chris Godwin. Did he get in the end zone this week? Liz, did Chris Godwin score a touchdown this week?
2: As clearing 70 yards, he yes. converted six of eight for 71 and a touch. And he didn't just do it. He looked dang good doing mm-hmm. it. He looked spry. He was cutting. He looked back to vintage form, not hampered, not hesitant. The electricity, the, the explosiveness, all of that looked back in his lower half, which is why Daniel's point about Rashad White not being active in the receiving game is particularly important. This was also the first week that White didn't catch three balls. He actually had cleared a total of six receptions over the past two weeks. So if Godwin is back, and all of a sudden Julio Jones is making plays abroad, then there isn't going to be as much um, volume for the other potential pass catchers. But I would, I, I mean, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give it back to you, Field. Do you think that Chris Godwin is hashtag back?
1: Yeah. You know why? Because he was just unlucky prior to this. Yeah. He had eight targets today, and that was regression. Yes. He has had 10 or more yep. targets in four straight games leading up to this. He has been crazy busy. Now, the a dot is down this year, average depth of target, which means that the number of big plays for Chris Godwin have not been as they were last season. Now, maybe that's in part because he's getting healthier. I think it's more likely because of the fact the offensive line couldn't block Daniel and I. Correct. Although yes. Daniel has kind of he has kind I, of a nice. I got swim some move. speed around the you edge. Do. I got a yeah. nice swim move. That's my big feeling is that like they just can't block. Everything is not is everything is short this year. Um, but I was like sitting there and I was like you know, he's playing every snap. He's getting ten targets a game. Like I feel good about Chris Godwin. I know that the results matter, but as far as like our job is concerned. We have to fall we have to be like really process driven. And if you told me coming into the season that Chris Godwin would get ten targets per game, how would I rank him? I'd say as a lineup block, like probably higher than where I've had him, which is like
0: a low end wide receiver too. I'd have him as like a top ten ish wide receiver. And I think regardless across the board, if you have a wide receiver that is receiving ten targets per game, it doesn't make a difference who the quarterback is or how much the team is struggling. That kind of volume you're gonna chase on a weekly basis. Oh, by the way.
1: Who's his quarterback? The greatest of all time, right? So if I got it from Tom Brady, you feel really good about it, you know? Liz, you got something you want to add in there? Justin's getting there, Liz, but not quite yet, okay?
2: Uh, (laughs) All right, the greatest of all time who, like, I hit the under on in my props article because he couldn't clear 280. Wow, (laughs) okay. uh, He may be the most winningest, but the... This Tom Brady is not every Tom Brady
0: that we've seen before. That's totally That part is true, but still, he's not bad. He's not there. No, we do think that Chris Godwin is back. What about Christian Kirk? Do we think that Christian Kirk is back? So I got to give Mike Lay a hat tip here. I think
1: he he was in on Christian Kirk this week. Hat tip, yeah, I don't have a hat on, but my proverbial hat tip has just taken place. Um, But what a great day this was for Christian Kirk. Dude. Nine catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns, 12 targets. And it's funny because you're sitting there and you're like, What's your takeaway? Like, what is your takeaway on Christian Kirk? And it's like, I think it comes back to where we were at the beginning of the season from weeks one through three, when he was the seventh best wide receiver in fantasy, averaging nearly 21 fantasy points per game. Then he has this mid-season dip where he goes from weeks four to eight down to 9.1 fantasy points per game. And you're like, what's real and what's fake? Here's what I think the reality is on Christian Kirk is that he's like a, he's like a strong you know he's, he's he's a wide receiver too and people people get furious when we probably get furious when we use these terms all the time right christian kirk is not a guarantee to be in your lineup and score 20 points every single week right no, we're not talking about not. a guy that you know if you have tyree killing your lineup and he scores less than 15 points you're like what the heck right he's a player that if you have christian kirk in your lineup you expect probably a floor of like 10-ish points right a ceiling about where it was today, right? Yep. 31.5 fantasy points, but more likely it's like 13 to 18 sounds about right for Christian Kirk. And compared to where he was drafted before the season, that's a good value. Honestly. So not every day is going to be like this for Christian Kirk. Obviously it was a really good day, but we did see some encouraging signs from Trevor Lawrence in the second half. It also helped that they were getting molly by the chiefs, which I think I might've made that word up. But anyways, they were losing big to the chiefs. I think it was 20 to nothing at one point. That part helps, but for Christian Kirk, he's the clear-cut number one in a passing offense that has some good days. So, yeah, he kind of—whatever that kind of receiver you want to categorize as,
0: that's how I would describe him. Here's the upcoming schedule, too. He has a bye this week, okay? so you got to keep that in mind. Yep. Then he gets Baltimore, Detroit, and Tennessee, all teams that can definitely be taken advantage of with those secondaries. I do want to quickly say, on the other side of this game, Juju Smith-Schuster left early with a concussion, so that is something that we will have to monitor— I'm sure that we will hear about either Kadarius Tony or Marquez Valdez Gantling as a part of our waiver wire on Tuesday because Kadarius Tony looked fantastic. I mean, so predictable, yeah. right? Like,
1: yeah, so predictable that he would go ahead and look right. He has been awesome for the chiefs in two games. And that role should only expand. As you said, Juju left the game with a concussion injury. She's with a concussion. As you know, with the NFL right now, it's unlikely for players to return within a week. Once they enter the concussion protocol, uh, biggest and hey, uh, a lot of chiefs backfields thought we're going to dive into during the week sort of a changing mm-hmm. of the guard if you're wondering what happened to Clyde Everdee he layer didn't, he didn't get the ball once zero zero touches for CEH if you want to drop him for waivers you can we'll talk about him more on Tuesday because certainly he's a player whose role has dramatically changed this is a big one though Daniel and we wanted to wait until later on in the show to do it because again uh sorry for the spoiler we Take are taking this, this on Sunday um And Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup left the game late. It was a right ankle slash leg injury. Um, He immediately went to the bench, immediately looked like he was in pain, went to the locker room. After the game, Sean McVay said, I don't know much, but did not look good. Didn't sound good either. This sucks. Yep. This really stinks. And part of what's made Cooper Cup so great over the past year and a half is that like you could count on him, not just in terms of fantasy points, but like availability, right? And it sounds like we could have a pretty
0: significant situation here with Cooper Cup. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we don't, obviously, like you said, we do not know how long it will be or even what everything is right now. At this point, you guys probably might know more than we do based on the time that this podcast is
1: out. We might have a Shafter update, but how about this? We could go from a situation last year where the Rams had a starting running back, a starting quarterback, at least one wide receiver, two wide receivers, really, that you were starting every single week in fantasy. If Cooper Cup's not out and not in the lineup next week against the Saints, you're not hmm. starting anybody from the not a single Ram. How the mighty have fallen! They are now three
0: and six. I am probably still starting Allen Robinson in the Tyler Fulgham Invitational League that yes, I'm in. Yes, yes, yeah, which he might to- play, but that's probably just him.
1: <laughs> uh, Liz, I, I'll just I mean or both of you. Like, <laughs> wait, if, if if he's out. Ugh. you don't, but you, you not like, humor me. You don't, you don't sure. trust anybody,
0: right? Like you're not
1: saying like, Oh yeah, Ben Skoran. No,
0: no. Sure. But if I was to take a dart throw on somebody, it would it
1: have to be Alan Robinson,
0: right? It would probably be Alan Robinson. Like I don't see it from, I haven't seen it from Van Jefferson enough this year to be able to feel that way. And Ben Skoranek, as much as I love Ben Skoranek, like, no, it's not, it's not him. Yeah. So
1: it's, it's it's tough times right now in LA.
0: I want to ask called Tinseltown. Tough times in tough Tinseltown. Tough times in Tinseltown. You know where it's not tough times. Liz Loza is in Miami. And if I told you there were a pair of dolphins that scored over eighteen and twenty fantasy points together, mm-hmm. who would you think that they would be? You're wrong. It was the running backs. <laughs> See what I channeled my inner Liz Loza from earlier on here. You guys right? you get this? Yes. I got it. I got oh. it. Oh, Liz.
2: Well, this love is it. a perfect segue though, because this is a situation in which there is a head coach who is falling in and out of love with running backs yeah. kind of regularly chase Edmonds see ya. Um, Raheem Mostert, step right on up, Mm -hmm. except no, you've been replaced by Jeff Wilson. Now, even though (sighs) Mostert did well from a fantasy perspective and he had a wonderful day finding the end zone, Jeff Wilson continued to lead the backfield with 17 carries to Mostert's eight, Wilson 119 rushing yards to Mostert's 65. They did both rip off uh, runs of like 20 plus yards. So that was great, but I believe in Mike Clay, another hat tip to him mentioned this on FF. Now this backfield is Jeff Wilson's for the moment.
0: I think it's tough to argue with that. I mean, if I have just, if I was rostering both of these, Jeff Wilson would yeah. be the guy I would be starting ahead of Raheem Oster. Well, so. I think
1: the good news is that this has shades of, it's not, not perfect comparison, but it has shades of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in prior years. Right, I think Nick Chubb this year has been probably better than we've seen him maybe ever for fantasy. But in previous years, you could start both of those guys and feel like there's a pretty decent chance that both of them f- finished inside the top 25. Absolutely. And by the way, in previous years, it was a little bit more of a coin flip between which of the two would actually be the higher-scoring Browns running back. Not the perfect comparison,
0: but shades of that. What do you got? I want to ask this question. If there was one offense in the NFL right now, that I feel like, boy, I'm worried about getting beat over the top by these like really fast wide yeah. receivers named yeah. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and maybe I could leave a little bit of extra space. Does that give a little bit more room, maybe, for the running backs to be able to, you know, do the things that the running backs do within there? Like this seems like it could potentially be a really nice spot. Wish it was one guy. But still, Jeff Wilson Jr. looked fantastic. Hey, if you started Raheem Mostert, he got in the end zone, but he's the guy we're looking at going yeah, forward. Yeah. Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor, too, because this is only his second game reaching 20 fantasy points this year, Field Yates. All right, though. But he looked like the Jonathan Taylor that we we'll thought. will take it. That's Let's right. Go. That's right. Jonathan Taylor
1: I had a huge run today a 66 yard run for a touchdown, his longest touchdown of the season. Yep. First game for Jeff Saturday as the Colts interim head coach. Oh, yeah. Congrats I think, to Jeff congrats. Saturday. That's right. Undefeated. Greatest winning percentage in NFL history amongst all head yeah. coaches. <laughs> but here's the good part. I, I think, like, is it possible that Jeff Saturday came in and said we have to run the football a whole bunch more? Maybe a little bit. But I'm not sure how much you're going to, like, dramatically change your mindset. I think a couple things happened here. And we talked about this. And Colts fans, you can send us fruit baskets if you'd like. We asked for Matt Ryan to be the starting quarterback. We, we said Matt we Ryan must be the starting quarterback. We said, if you want to win the game and Herm Edwards, by the way, back at ESPN, speaking of uh, old faces and well, I guess same places, same places. Uh, he, we, we, we talked we play Matt Ryan. We asked for it and they did. And you know what happened? The offense went from non-functioning last week. When Matt Judon was the best Colts offensive player last week, he plays for the Patriots. Literally. He was the best <laughs> offensive player this week. Their best offensive player was Jonathan Taylor because they had Matt Ryan in their center and they actually had the threat of the pass today. So, good day from Jonathan Taylor. Most importantly, looked like himself as a runner. Offensive line looked a little bit more respectable and Taylor survived the game. Yes. Those are the things that matter. We didn't yep. see anything because the backup running back, we saw a little bit of Jordan Wilkins, but obviously Naheem Hines is no longer there. No Zach Moss, really. Like, I don't even know if Zach Moss is active. I, I don't, I literally don't know that. But, bottom line is, He had a workhorse role, had a massive fantasy day. If you have Jonathan Taylor, you're very excited about this bounce back performance.
0: You know who else had a massive fantasy day and also had a huge workload? It was CeeDee Lamb. We were wondering, what on earth is this passing game going to look like with Dak Prescott? Because the Cowboys have just been a run-heavy team up until this point. Yeah, they have. They have needed him to be able to, Dak Prescott, to get more involved in the passing role of this offense. And CeeDee Lamb, 11 catches, 15 targets, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. That was 38 fantasy points. Did you, play against, points. Did you I, play against him? Uh, no. I did not. I avoided it somehow. I play. I played with him. I have quite a few shares of CeeDee Lamb.
1: Yeah, I don't, like, again, oh, dang it. Earlier I said Justin Jefferson was wide receiver one for the weekend. I said there are two games left. I think CeeDee Lamb did get him. Did I?
0: Let me let me just look at oh, my notes. Oh, dang it.
1: Justin Jefferson. 35.3. Yeah? All right. Well, that really cool note that I had earlier, ignore it. That's uh, why we Mike can Clay's go back the numbers guy. Into, yeah, Mike Clay is no the numbers guy. Deal. But, you know, again, I would say here, Daniel, like, Not a particularly uh, strong takeaway. Not like this changed anything on CD Lamb. Just like a cool reminder that he's like sweet at football. And there was a reason why he was drafted as a top eight or so wide receiver this season. And the only other takeaway is that while it wasn't a great, great day for the Cowboys passing attack, I thought there were some. I know Dak had two bad interceptions, uh, both picked off by Rudy Ford. But as the Cowboys matchups get better going forward, and I got to check the schedule of where they're at. I think this passing offense can find some life. That was an important, important step forward for their passing offense,
0: even in a loss to the Packers. Totally, and Dalton Schultz got in the end zone. You wanted to be able to see that. I mean, tight end, we've been looking for someone, right? And he's somebody that there is so much talent there for for him. So I'm in on
1: on Dalton Schultz coming into the season uh, probably too much for my own good. And Dak loves Dalton Schultz. Yep, He just does. And as long as Dak's on the field, Dalton Schultz can
0: be a busy guy. He found the end zone again today. Aaron Rodgers loves Dalton. Wide receivers, he just doesn't have any in Green base. But, however, he yeah, had one of them. Never. He had one today. Liz Loza, Christian, like Christian Watson, did his best. It feels like Randy Moss impression with the idea that he only had four catches, but three of them went for touchdowns. It seems like, yeah, is this a chance where like, hey, Christian the Watson breakout, might become like a, a little bit of like a breakout flex option here if you need someone for bye weeks, <laughs> or is this still Allen Lazard's? <laughs>
2: I think they're two very different players, right? Like, we know who Alan Lazard is. We've known who Alan Lazard has been. Obviously, there is a lot more draft capital sunk into Christian Watson as a second-round pick. Like, this was supposed to be the heir apparent to Devontae Adams, even though the timing of that isn't necessarily aligned. Um, But this is also a player with 4-3 speed, and we saw a lot of that illustrated in today's game. So clearly there's been an emphasis on getting Christian Watson healthy. Again, I just said he's a speed player, right? He's had a hamstring issue. That's not great for a player who relies on his speed. Clearly that's healing up for him. And now he's doing the things and and actually landing in the places and the timing between he he and Aaron Rodgers uh, is starting to sync up. And that's what's important. So it would not surprise me to see then build on this momentum. But I'm also not going to hold my breath for another three touchdown effort immediately. Don't and we also that. have to note that uh, Romeo Dobbs wasn't available.
0: Correct. And he won't be for a while, by the way. So yep. is this something or nothing? Right. I you think know, It just like, reminds me of user noise <laughs> back something. in the day. Uh, yeah, it's something enough to be taken like you should notice it. You, can't, you shouldn't just dismiss it. But it's not like he just jumps right into your fantasy starting lineup. Like it's a weird one. There was a
1: Packers receiver who used to do this off. Who used to do this? Is this Marquez Valdez Scantling right now or no? Ooh. Because MVS used to do this, right? Uh, Okay, fair. It might be.
2: Yeah, but this is a point of emphasis for the entire coaching staff who have been completely lost, right? We called them lost in the wilderness last week. And now that there is a spark. To this offense, I think it becomes more of a a point of emphasis for the entire offense.
1: I guess I'm being a wet blanket because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this was great, right? I wish I had started Christian Watson today as opposed to like, you know, other receivers that I started for some reason or another, right? On the other hand, they had 14 completions today. 14 completions and he has three touchdowns. Like, pardon me, uh, I think he is a fine speculative ad in case the Packers have unearthed something. But this passing offense still leaves a lot to be desired. So I don't know that I'm going to, as I open up my week 11 rankings, the Packers play um, somebody, an NFL team, maybe a CFL team. I think it's an NFL team, though. The Packers play somebody next week. I don't think I'll have Christian Watson ranked inside like my top 35 or 40 wide receivers. Oh, they play Thursday night, by the way. They play Titans on Thursday night. That's what it is. Fun game. Can't wait for that one. So, anyways, um, happy for Christian Watson. Speculative ad is fine by me. It is a good matchup on Thursday night, but I'm a little iffy on this one. A little That's iffy. A little skeptical. That's
0: fair. Yeah. It's fair. I mean, still, we like talking about positive things. Awesome game for the kid. Really excited for yeah, him great moment, moment for him. He did a freaking backflip, too. Did you see that for the first yeah, touchdown?
1: Pretty, he did a standing backflip. I, yeah. like, I pull a muscle just watching that. I... <laughs>
0: Sure. Couldn't do it. All right. We're going to talk about some players that flushed it in just one moment, including Christian Watson's teammate. But first, Field Yates. The most wonderful
1: time of the year is upon us again. It's college football season. Dr. Pepper and the residents of Fansville invite you to revel in another one-of-a-kind year, flexing your foam finger, humming your school's fight song in your sleep, and thriving on a steady diet of buffalo chicken dip and post-game day commentary, all washed down with a rich, delicious Dr. Pepper, of course. Another Saturday is always just around the corner, so make sure your tailgate doesn't turn into a failgate
0: and pick up a case of ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Football season is here. Nothing beats senior favorite team live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great NFL ticket prices, they're also the official ticketing partner of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you get the 11th one free. So download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of the 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. All right, Liz, on the other side of that, we just talked about how awesome Christian Watson was. It was sort of frustrating because I have him and Alan Lazard in a dynasty league. And so of course I started Alan Lazard Mm. today because why would you not? And then Alan Lazard decided to not be Christian Watson, which was sort of frustrating. So, you know, is there anything that you have as far as concern for Alan Lazard or is this just one of those games where, you know, sometimes you just have a dud?
2: Well, this was the concern we discussed on Wednesday, right? The thing that has been separating Alan Lazard for fantasy purposes has been his touchdowns. He's gotten four catches I don't know, 60 60 ish yards and a touchdown in, I think, three of his last four games. Right. But otherwise, his efficiency metrics, his production metrics have been very pedestrian today. Guess what? He didn't score a touchdown. So now it's a dud.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the way, the, the, the last catch of the game, like that was like final play of the game for Alan Lazard. Like the day looks even worse if he doesn't get that. That is the only thing that I want to mention from like the, the the Christian Watson thing is like, does it come at the cost of Alan Lazard? My instinct is still no. I kind of wonder, and maybe defenses took I, I, I think it's possible that defenses like weren't ready to or willing to sort of lock down Alan Lazard with their top cornerback. Because and I've said this a million times, so it's not like this is the first time I've I've described him in this categorization, that like he might not be the he like as far as top wide receivers in a roster go, I don't believe Alan Lazard is like in the top 25. Of Correct. Them, right. Yep. If he's your wide receiver one, like he probably should be your wide receiver two or three. I think the, maybe the Cowboys were like, we got I mean, you know, he may, he may not be, you know, whatever Ceedee lamb. We're going to pay enough attention to him. So um, maybe defense gave him a little more attention. Maybe Christian Watson's breakout day takes away some attention here. I still have most confidence amongst Packers wide receivers in, uh, in Alan Lazard. That was a weird way of putting it,
0: but I like Alan Lazard most amongst all Packers wideouts. I totally get that. I get what you're saying. Let's talk about... I'm not not the Ivy Leaguer. I got a couple of other players here that we need to talk about (laughs) that we're unfortunately disappointed in Alvin Kamara. Eight carries, 26 yards, three catches for 19 yards, only seven and a half fantasy points. We've kind of had some of these games from Alvin Kamara this season. And actually, it's not even just this season. I mean, this has sort of just become a little bit of Alvin Kamara. Every once in a while, there's just a game like this that's frustrating. I have uh, a a devil angel thing
1: going on right now. And Liz, I want you to to sort of break the tie between the devil and the angel. Um, The Saints say that they're sticking with Andy Dalton because he makes their offense better. I don't know that I believe that. Uh, Jameis Winston is far from perfect. I can tell you that much. We all know that. But Jameis Winston, I think, represents a higher ceiling for this offense so that's like the, that, that's the Jameis side. That's the Jameis. I don't know if that's the angel or the devil, but the other one is that Andy Dalton unlocked Alvin Kamara as a pass catcher. And it wasn't great today, obviously at three catches for 19 yards, but we had seen him just absolutely smash as a pass catcher for the first four games with Dalton under center. It sounds, I'm just using my instincts here. I think a game like this causes you to think about a quarterback change would going back to Jameis, be a significant downgrade for Alvin Kamara's fantasy value?
2: Well, if the investment in Jameis paid off in terms of winning record and the closeness of these games, then maybe what he lost in potential targets, he could make up for in rushing opportunities, right? There's a little bit of a balance situation here. Um, also, Michael Thomas is out, right? So maybe the hit to volume, even with Jarvis Landry back and Chris Olave, who we'll talk about in a second, emerging as the alpha, maybe that isn't as much of a hit with Michael Thomas out of the situation. Um, I would tend to just want this to look more exciting to keep defenses guessing because while you're right, Andy Dalton is going to check down to Kamara, I think opposing defenses are starting to figure that out, and that's why we're seeing perhaps Kamara's um opportunities and volume pretty much halved over the past two weeks.
0: Yeah. It's been tough because I also, I mean, with all of these things, right? I also, Chris Olave has been somebody that we've been really excited about. Sort of talked about how he's one of the few Rookie wide receivers that I can remember in recent time that have been quarterback agnostic from a fantasy perspective, because usually when a rookie wide receiver has a quarterback change, you see a, a big change there. You know, you got to be able to relearn a quarterback. Everyone feels different.
1: Yeah. First game under nine fantasy points for a lot of It's it, a crappy day. At the it office. was just
0: I, that's sort of what I was leading towards was like, yeah. this might just feel like one of those games where it's like, I'm not saying that you, that you're wrong about the quarterback situation because they certainly got to get something fixed. But usually these two guys perform it to a, a slightly higher clip. This just feels like so, just kind of like a dud. Yeah, I just the, what, I,
1: what I don't know is whether that dud leads to quarterback change. And if it does, does that mean like bad things for the
0: guys that we were just discussing? Here, here's a question. Okay.
2: It's also worth mentioning that Olave had a pair of deep looks that just didn't pay off. Right, Ooh. Like had he converted even one of those, Blech. this line would look different.
0: Um, upcoming schedule. Okay. Back in the beginning of the season, this would have scared me. The Rams, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, and then a bye.
1: Um, I don't love it.
0: I don't love it either. But,
1: eh, you know, it might make, you know, I, I guess neither one of those guys is nearly enough of a question mark for me to feel like it's tilting the scales. That's fair. right? Like if I'm trying to think of a good example of a guy who kind of teeters back and forth between being, you know, in the lineup versus out of the lineup. And where the schedule would make a call. I don't think the schedule makes a call for either of those guys. I don't
0: think it, it's the same, uh, unfortunately, with Derrick Henry, who this yeah. week, 19 carries, 53 yards, two catches for 14 yards. Hey, man, 21 touches for Derrick Henry. Sometimes you're just going to get some of these performances, 8.7 fantasy points. A reminder, as you just noticed in the show, they play on Thursday night this yeah. week against the Green Bay Packers. So a short week for Derrick Henry. Uh, someone used this
1: expression to me once, and I think it's a real one. Maybe it's not, but... Uh, They said, Superman sometimes forgets escape. Yes. And, you know, every once in a while, Derrick Henry doesn't rush for 125 yards, right? And doesn't have a touchdown. Uh, Sometimes he does one or the other. Oftentimes he does both. Today he did another. So, (laughs) Derrick Henry, you are very much uh, allowed to have a random rough day at the office. And I expect that when my week 11 rankings come out on Tuesday, that Derrick Henry will be ranked somewhere between running back
0: one and running back five. Liz, what about Nick Westbrook-Akina? Is that somebody that you're thinking about from a waiver wire perspective, or is this just, just too much of a dart throw because we don't trust whoever's going to be throwing him the football?
2: Get out of here. I mean, I know week 11 is rough for wide receivers, and so we're going to be digging deep. But no, there's not enough data, especially on a short week, to support starting uh, Nicholas Westbrook-Akina um, in, in week 11. And I really like Henry to rebound, especially on a, on a short, turnaround there i think green bay might be a little bit gassed after that game against against the dallas cowboys hey, so we'll, f-
1: we'll
0: find well, out
2: wow. he's gonna be fine
1: six wins in seven games for the tennessee titans one
0: I mean, more player it? to talk about yeah. here and that is amari cooper yeah and you know <sighs> i guess my thought daniel is that this is a little bit about amari cooper but maybe
1: more about flashing a name on the waiver wire that's Donovan right jones right so three catches say 32 it. yards say it dpj baby liz had him on Fantasy Football Now. He got, honestly, like, DPJ was more talked about than any, like, borderline yeah. player in the history of Fantasy
0: Football Now today. Between between Liz talking about him and then between you taking him as your long shot and Schefter being like, what? That's, like, cheating. You yeah. can't take DPJ. Right, and funny part was
1: that, like, <laughs> we all had independent thoughts about him, right? Liz, yeah. we don't, like, I don't, I don't tell my long shot to Liz. She doesn't tell me, like, hey, here's the prop that I'm gonna, like, here's the waiver wire. Here's the sleeper. Schefter, by the way, was like, dpj was under 20 percent rostered so all those minds they're two great minds in my average mind all came together on a mind meld over dpj and five catches 99 yards uh another nice day for dpj that's at least 50 receiving yards in six straight games it's at least 11 fantasy points in five of his past six games liz i mean finish out the thought like this is i think there's some reality to this it's this not just a guy who's just a blip on the radar
2: Uh, Absolutely. Also, like Xavier Howard is a pretty good cornerback and we anticipated that he was probably going to spend most of his attention bothering Amari Cooper and probably taking him away, which would open things up for DPJ. And in fact, that's what happened. So uh, again, I don't, I think Amari Cooper is pretty firmly entrenched as the Browns wide receiver. One, three catches, three targets, nice conversion rate. That's a hundred percent conversion rate, 32 yards. So this was, I think, a matchup-based situation, largely. Though DPJ has continued to produce regardless of whether or not Amari Cooper is. A
0: hundred percent. I actually uh, and Al talked about Donovan Peoples Jones on CSS DFS this week. If you listen to that, uh, he was a, so he was a fantastic play this week in DFS. Yeah, you said double-digit. Fantasy points in five straight, four straight? Actually,
1: 11 in five out of six.
0: Uh, okay, five yeah. out of six doubles of fantasy mm-hmm. points. Probably going to get a quarterback change here coming up in a couple weeks as well. Would you think that Yeah, that'll uh, probably only fact, add Deshaun to Watson his value?
1: is eligible to start practicing tomorrow with the Browns. That's week 11 Monday, and he will begin. Yep. He's on the field in uh, week 13 as the Browns play the Houston Texans. Again, not going to get into the optics of yep. a team having its quarterback available in his first game of the season in the city, in which he got embroiled and all of his legal issues. Uh but you can decide whether that was a reasonable call or not. But Deshaun Watson is available in week thirteen for the forty nine uh
0: for the Texans. Uh Browns for the against Browns. the Texans. Wow. 49ers are playing right now. I've that's right. That's, a, that's right side of the brain, left side of the brain all yeah, day here, on. huh? That's right. Got a lot going on. <laughs> Liz Loza Sunday Night Football was something uh, not really what I was hoping that I was going to watch, if I'm totally honest with you. It felt like the 49ers just sort of like they ground out a victory, but not in a fun fantasy way, in any way, shape, or form. I didn't really enjoy a whole, I, I guess maybe it's just because I'm a I'm a I'm a frustrated Debo Samuel manager, but What did you think about the 49ers bringing home a W, to 22-16 against the Los Angeles Chargers here in Sunday Night Football?
2: Well, they controlled the game even though they weren't up at the top of the game. And obviously the 49ers, a team that wants to run the ball, a team with an excellent defense, is not a a team that is built to come from behind, and yet they did manage the W. I think what surprised me the most from the 49ers' uh, offensive standpoint two things. Number one, Elijah Mitchell, who was back this week, and Christian McCaffrey splitting the backfield. In fact, Mitchell outcarried McCaffrey 18 to 14 ratio. Mitchell had 89 yards, no touchdown. McCaffrey had 38 rushing yards and the touchdown. So that was interesting that they were working in series. Also, no one will ever tell me ever, ever again that Brandon Ayuk isn't Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite flipping target.
0: I know, right? It seems impossible to have watched this game and not seen the way that he looked it seemingly at Brandon Ayuk in all of the times when he needed a big play, when he needed that safety blanket. It, it just feels, as somebody that rosters Debo in a handful of leagues, uh, it is a little frustrating. Also because the team ran the ball 42 times. Yeah. Is. Jimmy Garoppolo threw 28 times. They ran the ball 42 times which is exactly what the 49ers want to do in order to win football games. You know, so, and you talked about that. It sort of feels like Elijah Mitchell. If this is the way that they're going to roll with this backfield and giving them. It is very smart. smart, Then they're both going to be able to be usable. Although maybe the ceiling of CMC may be capped on weeks like this when he's not heavily involved in the, in the passing game. I mean, but, he
2: six targets, and he converted four of those for 39. So it's not like he wasn't used. I mean, 18 touches for a running back ain't shabby. It's just that it's CMC, and he's coming off of these monster outings before Elijah Mitchell was, uh, you know, activated off of IR.
0: And you know what? Here's the thing. This is, like, worst-case scenario. This is almost best-case scenario for, for
2: yeah. Elijah
0: Mitchell uh, and the 49ers because if – If the 49ers are down, CMC is going to get used more in the passing game than this. But like with them being up, they're able to split more of that workload, which is games like this is where it gives Elijah Mitchell a little bit more of that fantasy value um, because of that. From the rest of the 49ers pass catchers, anything really quickly you want to add Debo? We're still going to keep starting Debo. It was, this was just frustrating, but I totally agree with you. Brandon Ayuk looks like the guy that Jimmy Garoppolo wants to throw to first and foremost. I don't know if I totally honest, I don't know if I'm at the point yet where I'm going to be able to rank Brandon Ayuk ahead of Debo Samuel, but this really pushed me like for them to be quite a bit closer than I've ever had them at any point this season.
2: Well, there's another factor and that was George Kittle only drawing two looks, converting one of those for an awesome 21 yard Catch and run situation, but Derwin James on the other side of the ball for the Chargers is a bad man, and that was a really fun matchup from a real football perspective. I mean, I will also fully transparently admit that I started George Kittle ahead of Dalton Schultz, which was obviously the wrong thing to do. But you know, before the CMC trade was even made, we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to support Ayuk. Samuel and Kittle. Now we've got CMC in the mix. This is the way it's going to be. There are going to be ups. There are going to be downs. And we have to remember that this is a run first team that just happens to be very quarterback friendly.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it and a great way to really wrap up the way that the 49ers want to run their football team. And when things are going well for them, fantasy managers, this is the kind of game that you can expect for the Chargers. It's tough. Justin Herbert did not look great. This passing game did not look great. Everything about this Chargers team just sort of looked out of sync. And they talked about it. I mean, you know, everything just felt like the Chargers were missing their top two pass catchers. Their guys that sort of held this team together. And it wasn't just Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, but it was also Gerald Everett. Josh Palmer and Austin Eckler, despite dominating from a target perspective, just it didn't look like it didn't translate the way that you had
2: hoped on the field. Well, Trevarius Ward cornerback for the 49ers. <laughs> I mentioned this in FF now really good quarterback, very shut down, likely to take away Josh Palmer. Part of the reason he only converted three of seven for 44. Meanwhile, and this is a stat that Mike Clay brilliantly added in his shadow report. If you guys don't have ESPN plus and aren't, aren't reading it regularly, then you're probably losing uh, the 49ers have allowed the six most fantasy points to the slot, well, guess who plays in the slot? DeAndre Carter. And he converted all four of his looks for 64 in a touch without Keenan Allen in the lineup. So, again, if you missed it this week, okay, moving forward, know that that's a vulnerability of the 49ers and find out which slot receivers are opposing them.
0: Yep. Do you have any big takeaways from the Chargers? I mean, this is a really tough 49ers defense. The way that this game played sort of worked out, you know, Austin Eckler is still going to be a guy that we love and we're going to be starting going forward. Really tough one, especially because he got 12 targets. Like, you're not going to complain. You're never going to complain ever a, in a football game where Austin Eckler gets 12 targets in the passing game. Like, it's just yeah, not going to happen. So He
2: records seven catches. I mean, seven points is nice, right? We're not doing this. Just seven points from Yeah, jump for the amount of catches he recorded. I will say the only other, like, from a football perspective <clears throat> that can then um, be – rolled into fantasy is that Justin Herbert's looking more and more healthy, right? We saw him take off, a, take off a couple of times. We saw him use his legs. I uh, got hit real hard with less than a minute left in the first half, but it was able to come back in the second half. So I think we like to see the fact that he is recovering from that rib cartilage issue and feeling more himself. We've said that a couple of weeks, he did throw the ball 35 times. 49ers have a pretty solid defense. So, um, you know, it's been disappointing for Charger, or for Justin Herbert managers over the season. But you have to imagine that he's starting to warm up and this is improving um, the offense overall. And maybe once all of the pieces join him together, it'll be a different story.
0: Well, this uh, this is going to be something going forward to be able to see the way that this Chargers team, they need to get either Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, more of this passing game, more, more weapons for Justin Herbert within this passing game to be able to take the next step. Uh,
2: more and- weapons that can, that can beat elite-level defenses.
0: Eesh. Eesh. All right, Liz, thank you for this. This is always fun. Uh, thank you for listening to Fantasy Focus Football um, for Liz and for Field. My name is Daniel. Don't forget to love each other. Please be kind to yourself, and we will see you on Tuesday to talk waiver wire. Peace. If you need a stick of
1: Tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. on tv every day a spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh he's our favorite host and everybody knows his name he's field yay